Yeah. Hey guys, so welcome to the Business and Life podcast by Ben Percival and Matthew Wainwright. Um, oh, you gave away our surnames. <laughs> please, please, yeah, please have you on board. <laughs> please do have you on board. So Ben, um, we're going to talk about uh, some like business stories that you've gone through, uh, maybe some of the acquisitions that you've, they've worked on. Any, I guess, nuances, good experiences, bad experiences. Yeah. Uh, do you want to dive into into a couple that come up to to your mind right now? Yeah. So I mean, I guess the first acquisition, the, the biggest acquisition I did. Oh, well, it's the second acquisition. I did one acquisition, small company. Um, not not really too many issues, yeah. but um, I can go. Th- I'll go, actually I'll go through the first one quickly. So the first company. I ever bought so this was after I'd created my own companies built up my own companies and I I knew I was, I was a good business person and wasn't a fantastic business person but I was I was good um I would say I, I, at this point I was 20 25 26 and I would say I was mature but I had a lot of maturing still to do so we we approached this this owner of a business that we liked and we we had a conversation with him and uh he he seemed okay for the first for the first few weeks and we negotiated a deal and we were both very happy with where it was he went back to his accountant as they always do back to the advisors and they come back and he came back very very aggressively so sort of like this is this is crazy we can't do this you you can't offer this this is not enough and my accountant says this is daylight robbery this is how much the business is worth and at this point in time we just had a a series of of very very bad conversations and my business owner and I we said yeah should we just leave it because th- this has now come to a point where it's it's kind of causing us a lot of stress and it's is this business really worth it and i said to him look we i think we just have to like swallow our pride here and and I've done this in a lot of instances and in I've swallowed my pride and I've said, okay, this guy is a bit of a jerk, mm-hmm. but he's going to be gone after we acquire the business. And we're really looking at the business we're buying, not the current owner. And that was a big lesson for me because from then on, you kind of have to treat the owners with respect and a lot of them do are, are, are nice people but then you do meet the odd one or, or two who, who aren't and you've got to kind of look past that and look at the business they're selling you not the person that's selling it to you so and we ended up buying the business he was was gone after the first for the four weeks how, how, did, you, how did you manage to i guess go from a this is a day like robbery to <laughs> yeah so he was very aggressive and i approached him very calmly after that and i always just said to him oh, this is just what we we thought was a reasonable valuation for your business um this is this is how we we think we would want to sort of buy the business and and what it's worth essentially and he was initially happy with this so we we kind of just turned it around by saying look we can come to a, a midpoint agreement where there's a compromise between where he was and where we are and and that's what we did and and it worked out okay and the other thing we increased the value by sort of 
just 10% or something. I think people are a bit shocked when they hear from advisors because they think things aren't going their way, especially yeah. when you're doing a deal without any advisors. They think things are not going their way. And you can find that advisors really sway a deal one way. So the sellers will go with you if their advisor says it's okay. And they put so much trust in this accountant or the broker or their solicitor yeah. that if they say something, that's gospel and they'll go with that. Just regardless of how many, how much experience I have and Matesh has and how much yeah. how much knowledge we have of, of these kind of things. And we've, we've acquired several 20 plus businesses yeah. and in this industry or whatever it is, and they still don't take our word for it. They still listen to a solicitor that's, because they want it as gospel and they, and they have their own agenda as well. I mean, solicitors and accountants, they, yeah. at the end of the day, they want their fees. So sometimes yeah. they will push the sellers away from selling their business because they it's lost income. It's, it's lost client. Yeah. yeah. So, um, so yeah, that was, that was, the, that was the first deal we did. And it was a good, it was a good lesson because it taught me to look past the emotions of the owner and the emotions of doing the deal and look at the actual business rather than what's behind it. Or the, the person did, you, behind did it. you, Ben, did you ever meet the uh, owner in person before mentioning like the valuation? I did. I did. I had a conversation with him um, and... The cafeteria. Was, no? Sorry, say again? In a, in a bar, in a cafeteria? No, no. I went to his, his business okay. and we had a conversation and... It all seemed fine, but uh, is the way that sometimes these yep. these these deals just go a bit crazy at some point, and it's just very common that there's no there's no business that I've been involved in that I've consulted on that I've bought that I've built that yep. doesn't at some point have a really rough patch yeah, and yeah. a very up and down time, and uh, yeah, there's no there's no smooth deal smooth process in business it just does doesn't work like that it never does you really got to be prepared for that and when things when life throws these things at you you just got to bat them away learn to ignore them learn to adapt and learn to get around them and and find ways of coming to some kind of agreement and that's what we did so i I think um 100 i mean like even though business is very logical it's super emotional um And you find this if the audience goes into like deal making, um, you'll find that there's points of like really big highs and really big lows, or like I wouldn't say lows. I would mostly say like moments of just like you know feeling like very very anxious. Yeah, yeah. You know, like you get very anxious. And and also, sorry to butt in, but you do spend a lot of time on these deals, don't you? Yeah. So when they don't go right, it's not just your lost income. And your lost time, it's like yeah. you've, you've you really think, damn, I've just wasted six months, and yeah. I, I, you're already planning what you're going to do with the business, and it doesn't go through. Is it is quite an upsetting thing, and it does hit you pretty hard. Yeah, hundred percent. And um, yeah, I mean, for example, if we're talking about business stories. Like we're currently working on a deal where it's a taxi company. Um, to like two owners, one of them is looking to retire. We were having like the deadline by like February the first. We we're going to close. Obviously, business doesn't have like that, so like timelines sometimes have to prolong a bit. 
Um, and every single time we would make like an offer or a proposal, he would come up with like a new, honestly, like a new rebuttal where there, there just isn't any rebuttals happening. Yeah. So we send out the heads up term. So he's like extremely picky about like different line items on the heads up yeah. term. We send over the offer. He's like, well, I need my place to look like this, this and that. We send over the shirt and purchase agreement. And he's like, he literally changes the entire shirt and purchase agreement. <laughs> it's I guess managing different um, personalities is, it's you know if you're not emotionally aware, like it, it can be difficult, um, and you've got to just be patient. Um, so, sometimes that's a sign, though. I mean, if they're so picky on details, it might be they're not ready. They're not ready to sell their business. And they're not ready to exit, and they're picking all of these legals apart because they want an excuse to to back out. That could be subconscious on their part, even though yeah. they to move forward. No. Yeah. 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 So yeah. yeah, another. So the second, the second business I bought was very smooth from starting negotiations to closing the deal. So we approached the business owner who was already in negotiations with another buyer, and they liked us so much that they stopped negotiating for the other buyer and just came over to us and. Oh, really? We got along really great for the for the eight weeks it took us to go from initial heads of terms all the way through funding the deal to completion, and yeah, everything yeah. went really smoothly. It was until we'd actually bought the company and that we were starting to run the company that things started to get a little bit difficult. Mm-hmm. So, when business owners stay in the business, they liked they like their own way of working, and if you come in and try to change the way the business operates, yeah. it's they don't like it. It's very difficult for them to adapt to that and yeah. adapt to the fact that there is new owners in the business and it's their role now to take the business forward. Yeah. And so we had the previous owner on a 12-month contract to stay in the business, which we now don't do. We, we don't agree to that because of the problems we've had in the past. Yeah. In the first six months, we... We kind of just let him do his thing. Uh, we met with him regularly and talked him through, and, and we were sort of trusting in him because he'd built the business up over 20 years, and we were sort of trusting in him that he was doing right for the business. But we felt that after six months, he was kind of checked out now. He'd sold the business. He wasn't really invested. He was focusing on areas that weren't particularly important for the growth and the ongoing operations of the business mm-hmm. and more just small um, admin bits and sort of picking at our strategy and the way we wanted to run the business yeah. and so after six months Mitesh and I and my partner we had a conversation and we said this this is not working for us we need yeah. to bring our own guy in and we need to to run the business our way yeah. and in other businesses we've bought we've brought in our own guy and the businesses have flourished and prospered and, and done fantastically well mm. so we just thought we really should do this as soon as possible. And, and it was difficult. So we had to wait up till that 12 month period. We said to him, you know, we're not really happy with what you're doing. You're not really fulfilling the managing director's role as we had hoped. Yeah. Um, and we had a lot of sort of back and forth and it was, it was, it got pretty messy and it was unfortunate because they just really didn't like the way we were running the business. Um, yeah. We wanted to modernize the strategy and every time we tried to do something, the team and the business previous business owner was just against it. And we almost felt like outsiders in our own business, 
which yeah. is, is never a good thing. Yeah. So sort of 12 months afterwards, we got planned over the second six-month period yeah. what we were going to do. And we did a huge amount of personnel changes, removing well, the managing director from the business, removing some salespeople who just weren't performing and were pretty much relying on historic sales and not going out there and doing anything new. And we then brought in our own sales guys, brought in our own MD. And so the business has now doubled since we implemented those in, in procedures and new people and our how strategies. You, then how do you go on about recruiting uh, the new talent? Like, do you do it yourself? Do you hire, like, uh, people within the business to do it? How do you go on about doing it? So we always focus very much on the recruiting. It's probably the top three most important things that we can do in a business is having the right people. And we don't, we don't compromise on that. It's so important that we have the right managing director, the right salespeople, um, the right general management in, in the business. Yeah. Compromising on that, it's just compromising on the business and the future of the business. So we focus a lot on making sure we have the right people in there. And we do work with recruitment agencies and they bring us candidates regularly of people we like the look of um, but we make sure that we vet them we have a series of interviews and we are 100% confident with where with where they are um, and another example recently we we're looking at buying a another business up in um, up in the northwest and the business owner doesn't want us to buy the business until we have a managing director in place so that's not very typical for us usually the business owner would provide a handover and yeah. during that time we would bring in our own managing director although we may have vetted or looked at some candidates before completion yeah. in this case he wants someone in place before the even completion takes takes part so so we're, we're finding it difficult because we want to complete on this deal yeah and yet we haven't found the right candidate and the candidates we have seen are just not what we want and it yeah. is very difficult and there's a compromise between, okay, how long can we go on without finding the right person yeah. while the deal is sort of left on the table? Yeah. yeah, And it's a really tricky situation because we spend so much time picking people that yeah. maybe we just need to pick someone that is maybe a 7 or 8 out of 10 rather than someone that's 10 out of 10 and, yeah. Yeah. and train that person up to be yeah. the 9, 10 out of 10 that we want. And so I think that's the route we're going down. But but it is, I think, yeah, the most important decision you can make, one of the most important decisions. And how do you, how do you go on about, so in my experience, um, I've interviewed maybe like, so for the, I guess, for the positions I've hired personally, I've run through maybe 100 CVs before getting two, like, candidates and, and getting them on board. How, how does your process run on that front? And second question would be, how many employees... Uh, how, like, how is your day scheduled in order to recruit the best talent possible? Like, do you have like recruitment calls every single day? Do you just hire people and they do it for you? Like, how, how does that look like for you? Yeah, so I've, I've always enjoyed the phrase or the term or people, what people say about you find the right people and you can find a role for them. Mm. There's an exceptional individual and you're not hiring for that individual's role. You'll find a role for that individual because there are people out there who can be transformative to your business and yes you might not have the exact role currently advertised for them 
but yeah. you will find a role for them because they will transform and they will help your business. So we're very much of that approach. So we regularly talk with recruiters and we're regularly looking for candidates for our businesses oh, who, wow. who are who could do really good things. And if yeah. we find a good person, we'll, we'll take them and we'll find a role for them in the business because we know that they're going to have a positive effect and it's going to be good for the business. Honestly, that's one of the biggest lessons I've learned in my kind, I guess, short business life span. It's like before when I was like a sole proprietor, let's call it, uh, I would just do the work myself because I just have confidence in myself. But like becoming a business owner is about recruiting the right people and putting them in the right positions so that they can do the right job. Like that's what I've found. So it's really, really interesting how you're, because it's literally how I think now and I didn't yeah, really yeah. think about that in the past. I think a lot of business owners are very guilty of trying to do everything themselves. Yeah. I don't want to pass on any responsibility and I'm guilty of that. I've been like that in the past. I want to do everything myself. I don't want to pass responsibility on someone else because I always think I can do it better. Yeah. But it's the the idea that the time that you're spending on that, whatever that thing is, that you could yep. be spending on something else that's yep. better for the business. Yeah. Uh, and, and I've learned that over time that, where there is a role that can be filled, you should fill it because the time that you can spend doing something else that's more productive for the business mm-hmm. is, going to, is going to help the business grow. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I've, it's definitely something I know businesses struggle with a lot. Yeah. And, and there are a lot of business owners that say, oh, we're not hiring because we're kind of happy with where the business is yeah. or they don't want to grow anymore. They kind of, we, they say, we can get more orders, but we've got 10 staff we got 30 staff. Yeah, we don't really want 35. We don't really want yeah. more. So um, to us, that's that's great because we come in and we say, well, we want to grow this business from 30 employees to 50 employees to 100 employees. We want to do that. So if there's opportunities to do that, that's great. We can come in and we can get on with it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, but yeah, it is, um, it, is a, it is a it is something that people people should be more aware of i think business owners i think i think that's one of the main reasons why you've scaled right like so so quickly um at least i mean for yeah yeah probably the best hire we made was a operations manager for our group of businesses a marketing and operations manager oh really yeah because originally matesh matesh would focus on a lot of and Matesh is my business partner. He'd focus a lot on meeting the businesses, building that rapport, building the relationships. And I would focus a lot on sort of the pre-deal work, the operations side from uh, an overhead strategy viewpoint, not necessarily the sort of micro side, more like the macro side, macro strategy, yeah. and finding new deals and, and new business owners to talk to. And that was a good use of my time. But yeah. Yeah. What that meant is the businesses we did have, while they were being managed by managing directors, I wasn't able to give the attention to the managing directors and help them as much as I would have liked. Mm. So bringing in that operations and marketing consultant, he works directly with them a lot more than I can. And that's his sole purpose is really to make sure they're operating as as we want them to and implementing the strategies we want them to. And, And if they're struggling with anything, he can help. And yeah. so that's been invaluable to us because what we've seen is that these businesses that were doing, growing at sort of 10, 20% a year on, are now growing at sort of 40, 50% just because wow. the strategies we want to bring in yeah. 
we now have someone dedicated full time to working with each managing director to, to bring those and bring those to life, which we didn't have the time to do. So that was transformative for our business. And I think if I mean, we've only got in, in, in our in our company, in our investment acquisition company, we have three people, myself, yeah, my business partner and the operations consultant. And we don't have anybody else. So it's we'll crazy. Probably, probably will be hiring again at some point because it's helped us dramatically. Yeah, I think that's that's um, so. I guess for the audience, one of our goals within Opalenti is to try and scale. I guess the offices up from like Madrid over to like Australia, a bit of Asia, and then in the US, we came across this guy over in Qatar who's like very good, very persuasive, knows English perfectly, done has done deals himself without. He's like the founder of a company and so on. And I think what we're planning on doing is just literally enabling him that opportunity, like very similar to your operations director, so that he, like we don't even need him right now, but we're just going to open the position because he's good. He's right? good, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and you think he can do good things. Yeah. 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 And um, so w- what about any any weird situations that you've been in? Um, any weird situations? So... <laughs> I've been in, I've been in just the, quite a common situation similar to one that one I mentioned before, but very common situation is when business owners um, they've been called up and they've said, um, "What? Why haven't you spoken to me today?" And I think, "Is it my job to talk to you every day? <laughs> is it my job to talk to you every day?" It's like they get very, very edgy, and I think they almost feel a little bit lost if they're not talking to to us regularly. And yeah. we have monthly calls and we do we are in touch regularly. But yeah. I think it's strange that, to me that some of these business owners want to talk with me very, very regularly, like daily, about the ongoings of the operations. There's nothing really to report each day. I don't know what he, you know. Yeah. Um, that's strange to me, but we, we try and, I try and get in touch and oblige as much as possible. But when there's, when there's things to be done, that's just, it's not productive use of my time to be, to be talking about the minutiae of yeah. admin tasks. Um, yeah. and so let's go I, into- I tend to avoid meetings. Like I, 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 we got a kind of a rule in our in our group that if you're in a meeting, and we say this to our managers and then our employees, like if you're in a meeting and it's not helping you and it's not productive, just leave. Yeah. Like, yeah. Just genuinely just get up and walk out and just say, sorry, I'm, I, I need. I'm off to do some stuff that actually matters to the business. Like I, I need. To, you don't have to do it rudely. It's not being rude. It's just like this is good for the business. We don't want people sitting in meetings where there's absolutely no use to them sitting in those meetings because they've got no help. It's not yeah. helping them at all. Um, I think there's a good. There's a really good book, uh, and I don't have it with me. Uh, the uh, Traction, the Entrepreneurial Operating System, um, for the audience, and that that are trying to build like a business that really helps you out with like building momentum within the business, uh, solving issues, to do lists, and then how to run meetings. Uh, ben, do you use, have you read that book? Yeah. I think we, we mentioned that. I, I think I briefed over it, but I haven't actually read the full book. Yeah. I, I think you'll find it really insightful. Um, really insightful. Yeah. Yeah. I think I'll probably take some time to do it. Yeah. And, um, yeah, so I've had, I mean, um, I guess the, the weirdest thing I've, I've gone through is just that business owners get really, really emotional 
when it comes down to like selling their baby at the, at the yeah. end of the day. Um, so I've had people like kind of tell me this valuation is an insult on my business when it's literally the trading, like it's the multiple that is getting paid. Yeah, it's that. like the average industry yeah. multiple, yeah. But they, they just think that it's the baby is worth eight times multiple of EBIT when the real valuation in their industry is like three times max. It's actually yeah. 2.5 times. Um, so that that's, I guess, working with inexperienced sellers is sometimes a bit tough. Um, yeah. Other but, times, yeah. So we said before, em- empathy, We've we've that's something we've developed over time. And while yeah. it we see the emotionalness of some business owners, we can empathize with it because yeah. we understand how how big a decision is in selling a business that you've been involved in for 20, 30 years. Yeah. And that is an emotional thing. So I think I've learned to empathize with these people, even though yeah. I, I can I can say that's not realistic yeah. and what they're, what they're expecting is not realistic or the way they're acting to me might f- be strange. But to them, it's like you say, it's their baby and yeah. you've got to empathize with that. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Um, so any any cool, just for the others, any cool projects that you're working on right now that you'd like to share or potentially share or any ideas that you're thinking about or any implementations that you've done recently that have been like quite insightful, quite like, oh, I, didn't, I wasn't expecting that. Um, <laughs> so we, we, we set up some reporting, uh-huh. um, which sounds very boring to a lot of people, but I'm a big data guy. I love data. I love looking at data and trying to analyze it. Obviously, yeah. I, I think you can overanalyze things, yeah. and you can have too much information. Yeah, but we've come to a point now where we've found a good middle ground, where we get a good amount of data from each of our companies, and we can act on that information. Yeah, I, I find it very surprising how little, like as a consultant as well. I'm, I mean, I'm a business investor, and uh, I buy businesses, but I also consult in businesses, and I have consulted on businesses. Mm-hmm. for the past three, four years. Yep. I'm very surprised how little business owners do in terms of reporting. They might expect their accountant to prepare the management accounts every year or every six months. Not many do every quarter. Yep. And certainly nobody does it monthly. Yep. But if you can put a reporting process in place yep. where it doesn't take long, where you're looking at each individual metric that's relevant to the industry you're in yep. and you're putting all of that data into a easy to read report. Yeah. I can't tell you how much impact and positive effect that's going to have on your business because you can then enact a lot of growth strategies and a lot of direction for your business that you wouldn't have done before and yeah. see things that you might not have seen before. Yeah. And I think after we implemented our sort of group strat- group um, operational and reporting strategy, it really helped. It's really helped us to have an overview of what's going on and each individual managing director of, the, of our businesses mm-hmm. been able to, to look at those numbers and say, okay, our, our conversion rates are pretty low here and how can we improve those? You know, what is the problem here? And, and as an example, we have a blinds manufacturing business and it manufactures blinds and, and we didn't like the website, but we had worries that the website was had really good SEO and that actually just because we don't like it, maybe other people do like it. And I think sometimes changing things can actually have a negative effect, even though you're trying to modernize the website. Typically we do modernize all of our businesses. We do bring in a new website. We do work with digital teams, 
but in this case we thought this this website is actually performing quite well but when we looked really closely at the numbers the actual conversion rates were pretty poor it just had a strong six months just because of the environment we were in at the time and its conversion rates were pretty poor com- compared to what we would expect and we looked at why that might be we came up with various ideas mm-hmm. and we put it really down to that the customers just weren't weren't liking our website and they weren't thinking oh this is this is a nice website this is a nice business I can buy from yeah. and so we changed the website and we went through a, a whole change of the website invested in a brand new website and mm-hmm. our conversion rates have nearly doubled so wow. those those are things that we look at and yeah. that's that's how much it's helped um that, that's yeah. i think you can do that with like your own personal finances right so like i, I wasn't a big tracker like i didn't track before but as soon as i started tracking my i guess what i've got in the bank it just starts growing like honestly it's just like over time you like what i do right now is i just like look at all my bank accounts online every single day like at 7 a.m in the morning and i just plug them in and i see the chart how it starts like going up yeah yeah i think one of the one of the worries about doing that is though that you do you do become quite a tight person because then uh, you start count, you're counting the pennies aren't you and you're looking at oh i can't spend this two pound here there are some things i think are ridiculous to spend money on. i don't, I don't, wouldn't spend money on buying a coffee just make a coffee i wouldn't spend money on some other things like that but i think if you worry if you follow your finances too closely it's like yeah. you start to think oh every purchase you make is, is yeah. a bit painful <laughs> yeah to be, uh, to be honest i mean i'm at a stage now where like buying like a two dollar coffee doesn't really hurt right <laughs> <laughs> yeah but no but this is the principle you're buying yeah, why yeah. would you buy two three dollar why would you spend five pound on a yeah. venti latte from starbucks yeah. if you did that every day across across yeah you'd be spending 1500 pounds or whatever it is i mean pointless my, like, my my thought process to be honest has been like all the best people in the world are trackers like if you see Cristiano Ronaldo, he tracks it, the amount of goals he scores, the amount of assists that he does. Like um, I know uh, Usain Bolt, the fastest guy on earth, he tracks the speed at which he does. Like, like I guess winners are trackers, like achievers track their the stuff that they want to achieve in. Um, hence why I'm, I'm trying to do it. To be honest, um, no, it makes sense. I think, but tracking the right things. You yeah. can definitely track the wrong things. If you're tracking the right metrics, then that yeah. should that should definitely help. Yeah. yeah. So to business owners out there, yeah, track your track your your business operations. Get some reporting in place. It's going to help. Only if you don't want to buy any two dollar coffee. <laughs> well, if you start tracking your business, maybe you can start buying two dollar coffee. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Sure. All right. All right. I think that's. We'll call it there and we'll uh, see you guys tomorrow. Great. Thank you, guys. See you later. Bye.